Hello, this is Improvised Radio Theatre with Dice, with me, Michael Kuehl, and me, Roger Bell-West. And this month we're going to be talking about, oh, my folly, my folly, my folly. You're running a long-term campaign again, aren't you? I am, I am, it's a terrible thing. Two of them, I tell you. We're going to be giving two um, positive reviews to things, one of them new, one of them old. And we're going to be talking about how we find our way around those damn game books we keep buying. Is there a platonic ideal layout? Are we going to find it? Probably not this month. Onwards. But before any of those things... Hmm. Paranoia. The following may not may be above your security clearance. Paranoia is back. Yeah, and did he ever leave? Well, there's there's the addition that never happened. There's the addition that's going to happen. It's only ten months past the initial five month deadline. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> I am not now, nor have I ever been a ba- a backer of Las Vegas. I wish. <laughs> In any case, Paranoia, and um, if, you, if you're listening to this on release day, you've got another three days to buy it. First and second editions, and a selection of really rather, some of the rather better adventures, is available on the bundle of holding. We all have, we have nostalged about Paranoia in the past. Episode 18. Oh, right. Well, that's somebody's paying attention. And this is probably the selection of the best of the early stuff. It's got... Oh, let me see now. The Yellow Clearance Black Box Blue. The classic John M. Ford adventure. And it has... uh, Acute Paranoia, which includes Me and My Shadow Mark IV, probably uh, my favourite paranoia adventure ever. That was my favourite because I remember remember the occasion. Gosh, this section could be be a short but very nostalgic one. (laughs) I remember the the occasion on which um, we played that and there is a, a deaf leopard... Um, character in one of the pregens, and one of my favourite memories is one of my old players persuading the giant war robot to get down and boogie. And there is also Das Bot, nearly a dozen metres beneath the sea, <laughs> the the one that has the control panel. Yes, and we're uh, going to drive the submarine. Okay, which control are you moving? Tell me the number. <laughs> <laughs> Clunk. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and it is it, it is a positive encouragement to make sounds like ooga ooga, but it doesn't come with any of the secret society wars and crash and reboot stuff, which is a mercy, thanks be. Um, possibly it could be because it's still uh, subject to copyright disputes, or it could be just good taste on the uh, on the bundle of holdings part. In any case, you know th- this is most mostly pre all electronic markup, so some of the PDFs are image only, but it's all there and it's all better quality than has been around before. Yeah, it was... A great deal of enthusiasm was felt for Paranoia. It's not a game, as we've said before, that you can play for very long, and it's probably not a game you want to play very often, but, oh my word, the relief of breaking so many of the taboos of role-playing games is enormous for, for both players and GM. Try it for yourself. Go and buy. Yeah. Previous section was an unpaid uh, and unsolicited commercial um, endorsement, and so is this sort of. Though Roger probably at this moment in time ought to do a bit of um, um, disclaimer talk. Uh, yes, I I have a credit for I think it's for research in this book. I, I looked up some details on autogyros, um, so I did so I didn't pay for it. All right. This is what we're talking about at this moment in time, is the first part of a new series from Steve Jackson Games, After the End. And the first section is about characters, and is called Wastelanders. Now in this, Steve Jackson Games are doing something that they've done twice before, to my, to my knowledge, in uh, Dungeon Fantasy and in Monster Hunters. And in action. I think action is more generic than... than... Anyway. Anyway. It's a is providing a series of pre-calculated, pre-set modules in which, which you can plug into and use to pro- create a spef- specific genre 
of um, of a role playing game, and in this case, um, the after the long after the apocalypse game, the game in which everything has been devastated some generations back, and you are living in the wastes and the rubble of a much more advanced civilization. Yeah, the key point here, I think, is is that. It's sufficiently long since civilization fell mm. that there is no realistic possibility of rebuilding the old civilization. Yeah, you may end up with a new one, but there, but it, it's far enough ago that you you can't just say, oh well, we'll go back to the way we were. On the other hand, it's not so far in the past that things are simply mythical. People remember. Yeah. What uh, you you can still use um, garbage cans and street signs as armor because they they haven't completely decayed. And there's still um, remnants of uh, good stuff in caches left from the from the old times. And some of it may even be fireable. When I say fireable, I meant There's been edible. a good pyramid article about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, th- this is not the generic after-the-end book that I think some people were hoping for. Um, uh, I understand Steve Jackson was very committed to doing that himself, or it's, it's one of those great Gertz projects that never seems to have happened. There's been, yeah, GURPS Survivors was was the one that was rumoured for a very long time, uh, which probably would have been the the, the big hardback. Mm. Here is here is the complete post apocalypse, uh, like sim- similar in principle to GURPS Space or GURPS Fantasy. Here is how you build your post apocalypse campaign. Yeah, there was the rather odd bits. There were some odd bits, some very gameable bits, but looking very high level at it in uh, the Y two K. Special they did. Yes. Uh, just to celebrate the world not ending. There was some very good stuff in there. I, I still use it. Yeah. Um, so, li- like the other um, cut-down version of GURPS, you, you have a cheat sheet, which is basically saying, okay, here, here is lots of GURPS. There is an awful lot to it. And this is the list of the things we're actually using in this campaign. This is something that GMs are encouraged to do anyway for yeah. their own campaigns. Um, but here, here it's laid out explicitly. If the power is on this list, then you take it. Otherwise, you don't bother with it. Yeah, I think I should add that this is specifically an American setting. This is the Great, the Great Plains, but and dust bowls and doesn't have to be. I, I can't see this working as a in in this set in, in a in as close together a, a setting as Britain. It, you need I just to, kill more people. God, you're so cheerful today. <laughs> um, the, the, uh, the whole—I don't think it can can work with with the cosy catastrophe that um, the genre that the, the Britain t- seems to go, go in for. The, the uh, look, look, you, one of the bombs uh, bombs that devastates America sneeze and Britain is gone. I think that there certainly seems to be an assumption that there are going to be things still worth looting that haven't already been looted. Yeah, for what that's worth. But anyway, we're, we're Mad Max here, um, the Fallout series. Fallout is clearly a, a major influence on this. It is also rather gonzo. Yeah, yeah. It, it, you've got mutants. You've got two-headed mutants in the. Um, yep, the, the the mutations in this are definitely cinematic. Yeah, um, psi powers and magic and so on are not an intrinsic part of it. That there are sockets left where you can plug them in if you want to, but mm. it's not assumed. Yeah, the whole feeling is ve- is very much one. Uh, well, it's not as gone so as Gamma World. There are very few sapient <laughs> plants, walking or otherwise. Um, but as far as you know, yeah, you know the the, the triffids are definitely part of that that bit that it doesn't do. But the whole feel is very action adventure and over the top. Now the thing is, it's sort of discouraging you from too much um, accounting. But in this and in the um, complementary issue of Pyramid, which is just, they've just brought out to enhance and expand and advertise it, there is a lot of talk about guns and ammo and counting. Um, accountancy seems to be coming back into this via, via, the, via the armory. I don't think so exactly. I mean, th- there is an assumption that... That there is no currency because there is nothing, no central body to issue currency. So bullets have become a standard of exchange. But that does not mean that a thing is always worth n bullets. Mm. It just means that when you barter, that is the, that is your starting point for bartering. Yeah, but you are sort of expected to count your reserves. It's a, it's an expended. It, in that regard, at least, it strikes me as being a, a resources management. Game. Oh, that's certainly in there. Yeah. 
um, the sort of game you're expected to run with this, at mm. least as far as I've seen of it, is not so much we are defending our settlement and trying to build up it, trying to build up its um, survivability and eventually yeah. expand and spread civilization. It's we are a small band of nutters going going out and looting things, and well, maybe we're bringing them back to town to sell. Yeah, but it's not because we are the heroes of the settlement. It's because we're trying to survive ourselves. It's the wild radioactive west, um, the sort of uh, uh, sort of uh, sort of setting. I, I I must admit that the aspect of this sort of environment that I'm more interested in is building a community, but yeah. that's much harder to do in traditional role playing terms. Travellers, it's something that is something that has to come in given the length of time since the uh, apocalypse. You can't long term. Bands of roaming, uh, of roaming nomads aren't particularly stable or survivable with. And bands of roving adventurers, though they emerge from time to time, aren't sustainable as a story, um, a long, long time after the catastrophe, after things have settled down. Yeah, I, I get a certain amount of feeling that, as in Dungeon Fantasy, one of the answers to this is don't ask silly questions. Oh, right. Um, there, there is a town that you can sell your plunder in and, and buy stuff in. But, but you then, don't. Then you're better equipped to go out and plunder some more. But you don't. But you don't want worry about uh, your relations with the sheriff or the barmaid. There's a certain amount of that in there, but yeah, yeah. Um, there, there are templates, as in the other books of this sort. They're, they are a lot less rigid than in some of the others. Um, in the action game, for example, one wheelman will generally look quite a lot like another wheelman. Yeah, um, here you've got two, usually two or three options. So you've got the big guy. Yeah. But there are different ways you can build him. You've got the, the guy who tinkers with old tech, but there are different ways you can build him. You've got the doc. There's even uh, allowance for a psychiatrist. I'm not sure the psychiatrist is going to make a living. I mean, there's a lot of crazy people, but will they know? Field researcher. <laughs> Two, two rules innovations that I, I quite like. Yeah. Uh, one is long-term fatigue points. Yeah. Uh, which basically saying, if you don't get regular um, or sufficient food and sleep, your yeah. overall fatigue points, ceiling, the amount of stuff you can do before you fall over, will go down. I think that's actually a bit of management that uh, that could easily be introduced into the main game. Yes. Uh, I don't think that would be a problem to do at all. I may, may even do it. Um, in, in the in the current system, you you can you can lose fatigue from sleep and get it back from by by more sleeping. But if you lose fatigue from meals, um, you can basically just recover that anyway. I think yeah. I think on the whole, um, capping off um, or min- uh, capping up or adding a, or giving a long term minus to somebody's fatigue is going to be something I'm going to probably try out. And the other one is radiation? Uh, yeah, it's basically a cinematic version of the relatively ra- realistic radiation rules that are in the current GURPS system. Um, yeah. It's basically saying you can treat it like a new sort of hit point, or a new sort of fatigue point. Yeah, um, except it's more you, difficult to get it back. Yeah, but it will heal in time anyway. Yeah, You, you build up a dose as you accumulate stuff, and then it goes down again when you get mm. away from that source of it. And it feels more like a sort of poison load mm. mechanic yeah. or environmental contamination in general. It, it's not really all that specific to radiation, which, which is fine. I mean, for, particularly for a streamlined game like this, it's probably much more reasonable and, and certainly much more in genre yeah. r- rather than saying, Oh, in, in 40 years, you're going to die of cancer. You're going to live 40 years, right? <laughs> I think. I take it, uh, but how, how much of a distortion is it uh, to a realistic depiction? It's not realistic. It, it doesn't have long-term damage. Uh-huh. And I, I, either you keel over from what from what you've just done, or you will get better from it. Which I suppose is realistic enough, except I feel really massive doses that you recover from really should have long. Short-term, long-term effects. Yes. Um, the standard GURPS radiation rules do that. And there would be nothing stopping you from using the standard GURPS radiation rules if you wanted to in this. Really? It, it is a, it's a streamlined bookkeeping thing. Mm. Um, basically to say, okay, um, you're, you're going to die in three days. That's not fun. Let's do something different instead. Mm. Um, for that matter, the actual GURPS radiation rules have, have some limitations in realism, but that's, that's a story for another time. 
cinematic mutations, I think, really go along with that. Yeah, they do. And yeah, basically, the, these are written up in the style of yep, powers. So you, know, you you can have you have a tentacle. This this gives you an extra striking arm with a long reach, that sort of thing. But you do have you pay social penalties for yeah the the freakishness system. It's a combination of a reaction penalty because people it, it the more mutation you have, the harder it is to hide it, and people yeah. think you're a weirdo. Uh, and a, a sort of reverse mistaken identity in that you are easier to ad- to identify <laughs> because you have that distinguishing feature. Yeah, I'm thinking of introducing um, unpleasant side effects for long-term use of magic to one of my current <laughs> games, and that may be um, something that I will rip off a little bit once your once your character starts getting pointy ears. Then um, it does a f- does feel a little bit like the old cyberpunk humanity cost. It is an obvious and deliberate balancing mechanism, but it makes a bit more sense. Well, it does in in that there are lots of people out there who regard mutants as scary, often with reason. Yeah. On the other, on the other hand, a, a tentacle is terribly useful. I've always thought so. Uh, yeah, finishes off with equipment and barter. Um, yeah. This this also d- does a certain amount of violence to standard GURPS assumptions. For example, there isn't a tech level. You can get stuff up to, I think it's tech level four, which is what your small community can more or less produce on its own. Yeah. At standard price, or at least the the, the guideline price for, mm. for your starting to barter is, is going to be the standard one in the book. Each tech level after that it doubles. Mm. So yeah, in theory you can get a you can find a mint condition laser um, rifle. Well, if if they develop laser rifles before well, things well, fall that's apart, the, that's maybe most that's extreme. why things fell apart. Yeah, that's the most uh, extreme example I think they give in the rules. But but it is going to cost you so many bottle caps um, <laughs> that you won't be able to carry them. So the, the idea is here that you, you're going to be working and. Also, I think this is why the point budget is 150 for the templates, which is the lowest of any of these preset series yeah. so far. They've, they've been 250 or higher. Yeah, they are. Um, t- they do talk about a 50 a 50 point boost to a slightly more cinematic level, especially if you include mutant powers and that sort of. Thing. Yeah, but e- even if you're looking at 200, it's the lowest of, of the preset series has been. Um, and I think that what what they're aiming for is survivors. Yeah. First. Uh, yeah, you, you're still better off than the guys who are living in the settlements and don't have don't have your survival skills. You're you're more capable than they are of, of um, getting by in the wilderness. But at least to start with, you're not a high-powered hero, mm. um, and you you are going to have to scavenge. You don't have much in the way of starting equipment. Wealth is completely out of this because there's no currency. Yeah, you can spend points on a signature game, but it doesn't get you much stuff, even if you blow lots of points on it. Even a status as well is a bit. You you may be a big man in in, in Dumps, Dumpsville, Arizona, but you are never going to be president of the United States. Yeah, basically, there, there isn't an overall working society for you to have status in, mm. and therefore it doesn't exist. Uh, and the same can be said of wealth. Where are they going with this series after this? Do we know? Uh, all that's been announced is the first two books. The second one being the campaign design one. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to that. That should be interesting. Yeah, there are, there have been various proposals floated for expanding various aspects of it, but I don't, I don't believe anything has been announced yeah. in terms of future entries. Um, I, so I suspect we'll find it. it, it it's like action. Uh, if, if people make proposals that they find compelling and interesting, then they'll get written and they'll get published. But there's no roadmap right now. Hmm. Well, let's ha- let's hope this spark- this sparks an interest. It's obviously an area where people have fun, and the continuing po- uh, popularity of uh, of Fallout, which was originally a GURPS project, as uh, was theoretically going to be anyway. At some stage, they talked about it, and it sort of fell apart. Then, yeah, I, I think it's worth saying that even even if you don't want to run this specific sort of campaign that it's aimed at, there's a lot of good stuff here for. Um, some some sort of disaster has happened mm. in the in the vaguely historical past games. Um, th- things like the well, the catalogue of the sorts of disaster that can happen and the sort of hazards that come out of them, yeah. uh, which I think is going to be expanded on in the second book. I trust it will. Um, some some interesting rules tweaks, things like the long term fatigue points. There there is good material here, even if you're not running an explicitly yeah. two generations after the end game. 
Okay, we sort of recommend this one, and I look forward yeah. to future developments. It has, it has our blessing. <laughs> I have done a foolish thing, or rather I've done two foolish things, or rather I've done the same foolish thing twice. <laughs> I am currently, as, as regular listeners will know, and regularly, running uh, two games a week um, for groups uh, on a Monday and a Wednesday night. I remember when I could do that. <laughs> yeah, 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 I do not pity you in the slightest, all right? <laughs> and I am finding myself in very, very long-term commitments. My Wednesday night game is a game I've referred to as the Dawn of Magic, the 36. And I looked at the logbook I'm keeping it in, and I realised that for the first time, I think ever since I started using these hardback logbooks, I'm actually getting to the end of one. <laughs> I've been running for more than a year, and I'm going to have to open up a new one and write part one on the front. And th th this is not only <laughs> alarming, it's going to increase the weight of stuff I'm going to have to take to the damn games, which is annoying me. And I'm finding that having got th past the big first big hump of the uh, 36 people who have magic coming together and making their initial agreement and swearing their oath, I've still got an enormously long way to go without a, an ending clearly in sight. Hmm. Though, uh, given the way my players act, uh, there may be a collapse of European civilization any week. See also after the end. <coughs> yeah, yeah, it would be, yeah. I'm sure blasted, ra blasted, blasted irradiation with thermatologically active particles. I mean, it's certainly a possibility. And this is requiring a certain amount of dedication and a certain amount of taking a deep breath and getting refocused on the game and telling myself I can make it, I can make it, it may take another year. Hmm. The other thing I've done, the other foolish thing, which is the same foolish thing, is for my Monday night game, I'm currently started running Knight's Black Agents and I intend to drop the Dracula dossier on them. I'm still in the run-up, they're still finding out about vampires and building up their reputation as vampire slayers, but eventually I'm going to drop the Dracula dossier on them. As Ken and Robin's weekly repeated uh, commercial says, this is an improvised um, uh, role-playing uh, campaign of unprecedented scope. I don't <laughs> know how long it's going to take them to get even to the even to the point where I drop the Dracula dossier on them. And I'm wondering if this is a sane thing to do. But on the other hand, the temptation is so high. How am I going to maintain the interest and the pacing and the the general f sense of fun in things that are going to take a year or two to run? Well, I'm probably not the best person to ask. Oh, crying out loud, because Roger. My, because my campaigns in general have tended to be relatively short, um, uh -huh. some twelve-ish sessions. Okay is quite often my stumbling point for a campaign where I start feeling I don't really want to be doing this anymore, at least right now. All right, what about your World War II game? Yeah, that, that is the exception. And, and look, looking at that, I, th I think I can work out a couple of things that I've done right with that that I haven't... I have either not replicated or not yet had a chance to replicate Elsewhere. in other games. Okay, go on. Um, the first one is... Somewhat perversely, perhaps, there was always a bound a visible boundary... Mm -hmm. because it, this, this was suggested to the players as this is a World War II campaign. Yeah. Therefore, at some point, World War II is going to end, maybe even on the historical date. Who knows? Um, but probably within a couple of years either side, and the campaign's got to early 44 already. Okay. And so th even if we decided to keep playing after that, there would, I think, be a sense that, okay, it's not going to be the same thing anymore. No, quite. So you know, the the end has always been in sight. So there, there isn't that long road of I have no idea what's going to happen here stretching off into the distance. There there is that external timeline. At some point, Europe is going to be invaded. Quite. 
Uh, so that that has helped me keep a certain amount of focus. I mean, the the, the flavour has shifted as we've played anyway, mm. and some of that has been from the external timeline, some of it hasn't, but at least there's always that sense of, okay, I have some vague idea of what's going on in the outside world, and it is changing. It's not being the outside world except as modified by what PCs do, mm. which, which helps me... It, it helps me keep a sense that there is a living world out there. True. I haven't... I haven't in the in the um, Dawn of Magic game, which is currently in early 1678, I haven't been looking at political developments because the immediate political developments in the world, uh, in England, in Britain, um, France and Holland, are warped, in, uh, are being warped by the presence of magic, mm-hmm. even if it's only in the background at the moment. I'm not quite sure. I should go back to my timeline of history books and see what the hell else is happening in the world. Yeah. It will probably... The effects of magic will probably also spill over into the African slave trade sometime soon. But uh, that that's really an irrelevant to, relevance to people in Europe. Well, hang on a minute. Aren't you historically in the, in the run-up to the Glorious Revolution... It's ten years till the glory. Yeah, so so you've already got people saying, well, you know, where's the air and what 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 is this? Yeah, yeah. I did I mention? Did I mention a magic? And did I mention that Nell Gwynn has the magical word of the human body, and she's quite sympathetic towards the Queen. <laughs> and there have been there have been announcements that uh, that the the Queen is once more very late in her life with child, and uh, and the uh, and the government is being pressured to get rid of two of the player characters who are acting as um, surgeon and midwife um, <laughs> because, you know, somebody's got to keep an eye on this. It's all a bit complicated, but that is, be- that is being affected. The Glorious Revolution is probably not going to take place in its current form, but that may be because... All right. Oh, you're probably still going to get Monmouth, though. He's one of the, pe- one of the 36. Oh, he's, you're definitely going to get him, there. Yeah, he has, the, he has the word, the name which means fool's luck. <laughs> be this as it may the but, thing is I don't have there an easy um, I should look for it you're right I, I don't have the, the the World War II game is not a historical game Yeah, on several levels I mean obviously it's not historical because it's got people doing active visible magic in it Yeah, but it has diverged to the point I mean, one of the things that's going to come up probably in the next few months of game time is there are lots of people out there who have seen magic happening. Yeah. There was a convoy battle where several hundred sailors saw things which could not be accounted for by yeah. strange new German submarines. And she, she, she was riding a large sea monster and singing. Uh, <laughs> and, and sailors being notoriously close-mouthed, you know. Oh, yes, yes, they, ne- they, never, they never talk in their cups, never. So, so word is getting out, and one of the things the player characters have been doing is preparing for this, and they're not going to precipitate it, but they, they have statements that they're thinking about making when word does get out. Yeah. I have built into the campaign a conflict between the Subcommittee on Secrets and the Subcommittee on Revelations, which is coming to a... <laughs> Which is coming to a head shortly. Are you trying to put us out of a job? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the. All right. Uh, there, I having. To, I'm going to have to make my own time pressure in the Dracula dossier. Well, it's implied there, but it's uh, the, the, the 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 big climax. If they can pull it off, is they kill Dracula for good, mm. and or at least try, and I, and I've got the outline of the method. I think. They'll probably end up using, but I can I can switch it around at this stage. It's an improvisational campaign. Presumably, there's a certain amount of time pressure because if they they got up to the point where they're noticeable, yeah, they've they've got to go for it fairly soon, or they will be noticed. They have, yeah, the, the at, pacing, at yeah, the, the 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 pacing of the conspiracy. There isn't just one conspiracy, which well, of is course why, not. Which is why I'm complicating my own life. And there will be cross-fights between the various bits of the conspiracy in the background. But I th- I have enough excuses for them not to be noticed for a little while longer. I don't... Have, you, have you got a, a chart that looks like the scribblings of a madman that, that explains how the various factions are linked to each other? Yeah, I haven't made up all the factions, yes, but no. Oh, they don't all have to have names. All right, they, but the... 
I, I, I have one that, if anybody ever finds it in, in, in the wreckage of the house, as it were, is, is going to make them think I'm very strange. Uh, the... <laughs> Your client won't what? Um, no, I have, I have, at the moment, I'm, fa- I'm fairly small scaling it. There is only the main conspiracy and one sub-conspiracy which are impinging on them, though they have found out about the sub-sub-conspiracy and they have heard about the origin of all vampires, but I haven't quite figured how it ties in with everything. <laughs> so, I've got plenty... Of, the trouble is pacing and keeping their yep. interest, I think, is going, going to be the problem with with, with this one. Yeah, what, what I've been trying to do in the World War II game is is have one adventure per month, and we, we meet once per month. Yeah. Um, um, this, this doesn't always happen. Yeah. Is your time tick... It, it, this is one problem I'm having with the uh, with the Dawn of Magic game. Time isn't progressing fast. I get tied up in interesting details. And yeah, that, that, and that is why the, the the campaign has lasted significantly longer than the war. We're getting on for a ten year anniversary next year sometime. You know, um, my play, my players berate me with the fact that, I, uh, that it's, it's about three months since the thing that reintroduced magic to the world, and uh, it's been a year of gaming. And I point them to a thing called Girl Power, which is a um, which is a web comic mm-hmm. which has which is um, slightly going slightly longer with a five five day a week posting, four day a week posting schedule, and um, they're on their third day. <laughs> I know it's not the same thing, but yeah, um, I don't have a formal time tick as such. But we did we did fairly on early on establish the tradition of the monthly meeting. Hmm. Uh, are, are, the PCs are working for MI5. Correct. Uh, and they, it, it is assumed that when we're not actually running adventures, hmm. they are, they are doing various less, less dangerous jobs. Yeah. But once a month, which is, which I try to make at the beginning of a session, there, there is a reminder of, okay, well, there, there's, there's this thing that you haven't dealt with, or there's that thing that has come up that you might be interested in looking into. And sometimes it is the lead into the actual adventure of the session, and sometimes it isn't. Okay, I think but, I but, could... but what one of my players all ha- has taken to bringing along a list of things he wants to raise at this meeting, and this is extremely helpful because it reminds me of stuff I might have forgotten about. Yeah, my play my players send me emails and then I forget them, which is bad of me. I say, bring it up in play. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's a he's a player who has to turn up late for various occasions, mostly. Mostly, it's him. My. I I am doing something like this, and I think I will try and make it more formal. They're currently planning on moving their headquarters to the island of Lundy on the grounds that it's nicely isolated. As I understand the basis of Knights Black Agents, though, they're not really working for oh, an no. external organisation. I'm sorry, hang on. I went oh, back, to, Dawn, I, I went Dawn back Dawn to the Dawn of Magic. This is confusing. Okay. Knight Black Agents, yeah, that's tougher. They, 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 get they don't have an external organisation. They, they, are, they, they are a team of independent, uh, slightly burned freelance agents. And there, it's there are there are regular reviews when they get down. But I've got to increase their sense of threat and their sense of danger. They're, they're going to whinge when I do it. Of course. Well, yeah. Um, they're currently in what they think is a perfectly safe house, and they are about to discover that it's not. As long as they can learn something from it. Yeah. Don't spend more than two two or three days in the same location. I think is the thing <laughs> I'm trying to. Uh, one of my problems in long-running campaigns, and the reason most of mine don't run long, is that as a GM, I burn out. I, s- yeah. I, I start thinking, okay, it, it's the next session coming up. I've just got no ideas at all. Part of this is because one of the things I really enjoy is building the initial world. And building the initial world intrinsically means shutting down possibilities. Mm. You, you say, magic works like this. It doesn't work like any of those other things. Or in a space game... Um, spaceships work like this. They don't like work like those other things. Well, my problem with that, I, I know what you mean. Uh, my problem when I get like that is that I want to share the secrets with the players too damned early. Yeah. Um, but I, well, perhaps if you have enough of them, you can, you can spread some of them out. Yeah, I am. I am. As, as in this case, you've, 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 your dawn of magic you've got here is at least approximately how magic works, which is something most yeah. people in the world don't know. Yeah, and they all, they've also discovered. Anyway, leave that to one side. I don't want to fluff about <laughs> my own campaign. The, the point is, I don't fear burnout on a sh- in the short term. I, I, I've had short-term burnout in campaigns which weren't designed to last some time. I fear long-term uh, burnout. 
I I did a two or three years, I think, of running a RuneQuest 2 campaign back in the 80s. And mm. by then, on a weekly basis, I was... I was dead as a doornail as a as a GM. I could, I, I just didn't have yeah. any any uh, mojo left. I think I'm sort of thinking that I need to do different things and I need to shift the scale of things, but I'm not quite sure how. Things I found work against burnout for me uh, either have a long term skeleton mm. in mind, as with the World War Two, or have a campaign that is basically going on as doing the same thing, and if, and if it's just another dungeon, well, that's okay, because that's what the players signed up for. Um, I think one of the things that has certainly been a factor in the World War Two is it's been very much responsive to what the players are interested in. I see what they engage with, what they don't like, yeah, and I give them more of the stuff they wanted to engage with. And well, that's that, that, that's supposed to be the whole secret behind an improvisational campaign like Knights Black Agents, and that that has that has that has certainly helped me because I can look at what the players were asking about. Yeah, and you've got session recordings, so you, do, you can do the same yeah, sort true. of thing, and and that will quite often give me an idea for okay, we could explore this next bit of it. Mm. I worry. Some, a bit. Some, sorry, some, I should just say yeah, some, some of the secrets are sufficiently big and complex that I can give away little bits of them. Yeah, and the that's player, the way and the to players do it. can then have fun putting them together. Yeah. That's the way to do it. I worry a bit that I am allowing my own obsessions about the ethics and social structure that you have to make to respond to a, something like the reemergence of magic to uh, to to dominate. And I'm not giving them enough chance to do cool stuff. Whereas your people mm. have got a good cause in which they are doing things, and um, the ethical issues presumably only come up. Once in a, in a in a while, um, quite often we we've got um, several of the player characters are, are looking at the consideration that okay, the war is probably going to be over fairly soon. What are we going to do about magical war crimes? Hmm. Is there a legal basis on which we can do this? And if not, sh- should we perhaps think about establishing one? Yeah, um, that the, there are. It's not a formal division of effort, but people are are starting to think. Okay, what are we going to do after the war? What is going to be the state of magic after the war? Yeah, should we just shut it down right now? Because it does seem to have come awfully close to, to uh, unravelling the world a couple of times. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving them that option right at the beginning. Um, I don't think they're going to manage to, to persuade the vast majority of people who've just got these cool powers that they ought to put them away for, uh, somewhere safe and not use them. They would need a compelling case. Yeah, I've given one of the, the they, one of they those. might arrange their own compelling case. Yeah, that's also true. They they have thought of some of the terrible things they could do, and some of them don't like it, but some of them do. I would certainly say get get players to help with sub creation. We talked about that in a previous episode. Yeah, um, and in, in the World War Two, I've I've got one player who has told me what his family is up to. Which means I can bring them into things occasionally. Um, I actually have full GURPS character sheets for his family. Hmm. I've, I've got others who I, I at least know roughly the sort of thing they do when they're not at work, yeah. the sort of social circles they move in, and and this this gives me ways I can work work things in without being just here is your monthly briefing and here is what you're going to do. Yeah, one of the uh, mechanics in Knights Black Agents is the is the the things that. Get, restore the sanity or stability, as it's called in the game, of the of the characters. Their mental, mm-hmm. their mental wherewithal, uh, the things that comfort them, their beliefs, and their friends, and the places they go to recharge. Yeah, those are all back in the United Kingdom, and they're currently in um, Vienna, which is mm-hmm. the furthest west they've got so far. Sometime I'm going to have to take them back to the UK. And at that point, I'm going to have to start killing their relations, <laughs> or at least turning them into vampires. I've got to, yeah, I've got to establish their, their their social background. They're currently rather detached from that, hmm. but I got to establish their social background to give them more reality. Yeah, it, it, it's and a, to and, and to be able to threaten it. It's a thing that is often tricky in role playing games. I think certainly um, those of us who who got started on D and D. Basically, the the rootless wanderer comes from nowhere, goes nowhere. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wah, wah, wah. 
is so so much of an assumption that one one just often doesn't think of that. Well, you know, presumably I've got a family somewhere, but they're not in the game. Yeah, but it, uh, yeah, but it's specifically it's your old tutor, your uh, your cho- your children, um, your old college are all are all places and p- people and things that mean something to you, and you've got to preserve those, and you can be threatened via those. And this is particularly effective, I think, when you've got somebody who's working in an extremely secret job. Yeah. Because they they can be made aware by whatever route that their old school, their old college, whatever, has has a problem that is actually related to their job. They mm. then have to go in and fix it without letting anybody know who they now work for. Mm. Well, that's neat. I like that. I, I think of it as the gross point blank principle. Um... I would like to say, don't be afraid to borrow outside adventures. But in a long-term campaign, the chance of you actually finding an adventure you can fit into the campaign is relatively low. Both of these are... Well, there is plenty of support for NBA, it must be said. Mm-hmm. There is, And there is plenty of support for the Dracula dossier in specifically. I'm not sure how much of what they're providing can be hacked about to fit... Actually, I've had a, a thought, which is that I might try running some of the historical stuff as one-offs when I can't get all the players together for the Wednesday night game, mm-hmm. so that what happened in Romania um, with Mina Harker and uh, and all that lot could be established for my other campaign, but my Wednesday night campaign. Or is that <laughs> entirely too clever, clever of me? I think as, as long as you reserve the right of veto in case they do incredibly well or incredibly badly. Mm, that's true. I I could actually use something like microscope mm. um, to plot out backstory or even how things are going to happen uh, in the Europe of the 1670s in reaction to the return of magic. I could use that uh, to to plot out stuff. Yes, yes, cross fertilization and 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 brainstorming and oh, that's a a really nice idea, Michael. Thank you. Write that down. For Reign of Steel, I've borrowed adventures from Warhammer 40,000, which needed a certain amount of surgery, mm-hmm. and Twilight 2000, which needed rather less surgery. Ah, uh, well, I think, on the whole, I feel slightly reassured. I'm still mildly terrified by the <laughs> scale of what I have, I have got on my... I've gone and put on my plate voluntarily. But I feel slightly better. Shall we move on? Yeah. This is something people have been asking since pretty much the days of original D&D, and we don't have a definite answer yet, so we might as well tackle it. What is the best way to organise a role-playing game book? Well, is there a best way? Well, one of the first lessons we learned was not the way original D&D did it. Um, except that it's still there as part of the skeleton of... You get in a typical uh, gaming book... First of all, a description, um, a certain amount of fluff about what this game is going to be about. You may also get the compulsory what is role playing bit. I don't think they do that as much anymore, but yeah. Okay. And then you get character generation. Always we start with, always we start with the character generation. Is this not right? I think that's reasonable. And I, I remember the discussion used to be should you lay it out for learning the game or should, should you lay it out for playing the game? Mm. With, with the answer being that you're only going to learn to learn the game once and play it lots of times. But I, th- I think that's not as true as it used to be, because a lot of games, particularly since we have a lot of games that are for specific settings, yeah. may only get played a few times anyway. Also, I think, as a general assumption, modern gamers probably don't want to just sit down and read the book for several hours. They want, they want a minimum of prep time, and then they can start actually playing. If you're the GM, you get to sit down and read the book for several hours. Yeah. But do, the, but do, the, play, do, but the do players have, probably don't. Yeah. I, except that there is a subcategory of player who knows the rules better than you do. Yeah. 
and we'll point these out to you. Uh, they are they are a, a resource and an advantage, but they are also deeply annoying at times. <laughs> yes, I, I may be becoming this player because one one of the groups I'm with, one of the other chaps, is planning to run a GURPS fourth edition game fairly soon. And yeah, I probably I'm pretty much sure I know that system better than anybody else at that table. But yeah, such is life. Be careful. I think yeah, you will the, find the GM it. is God. Yes. I, I, will, I will be a rules reference to the GM if he wants me to be. Yeah, okay. Um, I, I think the basic principle is a sound one. You know, chapter one gives you ideas for who, who you might want to be. Yeah. So, yeah, it introduces the world, but it also says who, who, who are the people who are having fun in this world. Ugh. Chapter two then tells you how you can be them. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've decided from chapter one I want to be a heroic airship pirate. Chapter two tells me how I can do that. Except and, that chapter three has to tell you um, how you take all the stuff that you've defined in Chapter 2 and actually use it. And you can't make the meaningful choices you make in Chapter 2 without understanding Chapter 3. So isn't yeah, chapter th- shouldn't Chapter 3 before, be before Chapter 2? Except it's, it's dull. It doesn't, it's, uh, doesn't engage immediately with, here is the guy I want to play. Uh, the, the, the thing I've seen done with this sometimes is... Um, in the character generation section, you say, okay, skill level two is your normal competent human. Skill level three is mm-hmm. an expert human. Skill level four is amazing. Which is fine as long as that's how it actually carries through in the game. But, but sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. Sometimes that's, that's often actually, that's the, 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 what they put together as the notes when they were designing the system. It's not what's turned out from the playtest because maybe there hasn't been enough of a playtest. Yep, or it's just been assumed that, okay, if we want to have fun with player characters, we're going to have skill levels of 4, 5, and 6, and nobody changed the original text. It's tricky because, particularly, you get a big game like GURPS, it's, it, you've got 220 yeah. pages of stuff you can add to your character. Yeah. 50 of that is just skills. And that's far too much to expect a modern player to read, or even a traditional player. Yeah. And if, if you're saying, you know, in three weeks' time we're going to be playing GURPS... Have, come come back with some ideas, that's fine. But I, this is, I think, why we've got the books like Dungeon Fantasy and After the End and Action and so on. This is true. That say, okay, here is the subset we're going to use, and more than that, here is a list of about ten general types of character that you that are going to be viable characters in this world. Hmm. Because another thing you get in a generic system is, okay, um, we, we say modern GURPS realistic. Yeah. That, that gives us a set of things we can learn. But maybe the GM was thinking of modern mercenaries and I've generated a modern scientist. The GM has to do more than that to say what's going to be a viable character. Yeah. And that, that I think is what the templates are really good for. They're going to say not only here is the sort of person you can be, but if you take the template, then you're not going to be missing any of the things that you might miss by not knowing the rules. Mm. I can think of one exception to this and that is the Powered by the Apocalypse. A series of games which says here's how the basic idea of moves work here mm. are the moves which apply to everybody and here are, is your choice of little pamphlets of uh, predetermined pre-set up characters which you can choose from among and the character sheet is the character generation sequence and a rules reference and a rules reference and tells you everything you need to know pretty much about that sort of character yeah if if you it's actually not as simple a system as that makes it look, but it does its best to, to present itself as a simple system. The, What's the, complicated? The, the, um, what I've found reading through it is, as a GM, how do, how do I adjudicate what's a reasonable thing for, what's what are reasonable levels of difficulty for players to do? Well, they they, they just do the move, or they don't do the move. Well, that's that. Well, mostly, that's... mostly they don't do the move. Sure. Well, mostly they do the move, but things get complicated. Is the is what what seems to happen? Yeah, there, there are lists of standard complications for each move, but I think I'd run out of those quite fast. Mm. But anyway, um, what one could do, particularly yeah. these days, uh, with with it all being an electronic form, is have a book of everything from from which you could then select. Okay, I'm going to have yeah. this section, that section. Um, but the the sales mechanism wouldn't work because you would have to sell it as a great big book of everything at huge price. And you would then have to give up control because, by definition, what the user is going to do with this is produce smaller books that he gives to his players. This is true. So, commercially, it wouldn't be viable, but I I think there's potential. I moaned before, and I will moan again, about the uh, GURPS 
character generation software, which is supported by uh, Steve Jackson Games. Um, it doesn't have a program for creating the world lists, the, uh, the, the, the subset of the general thing, which applies to a particular world. You have to do it by knowing enough about programming to create um, uh, to create stuff, and that's just not a, a skill most GMs have. Yeah, some of the data files are reasonably well broken down, others aren't. And if, if you, I have if no you, idea to, how to create a data file. No, I mean, in terms of combining them, if, if you want to say, here, here is a standard modern world, then it's quite easy to say, okay, we don't load the magic data, we don't load the psionics data, we don't load the tech late in the present day. And if I want to say, I want to create a, a, a GURPS file for, let us say, Techumel, where, uh, where the races aren't standard, the skills aren't standard. Yeah, because the they, they, they you're needing effectively new content as well as just selecting from what's already been published. Yeah. One thing that should be a wave of the future, but I'm not sure it's economically viable to do is a dedicated, um, hyperlinked book such as Nova Praxis does. I haven't finished reading Nova Praxis, so. I can't tell you how well it does it, <laughs> but it needs. Uh, but it. But but I've often thought, look, uh, when using uh, GURPS character generator to get character assistant rather, to I've often thought I wish I'd just click on that and go to my files and find out what the definition of that one is in that particular book. It will include yeah. if it's well if it's been well prepared. A data file will include a reference to oh that comes. From martial arts, page forty-seven. Yeah, but sometimes, but it doesn't link through, and that's really what I need. But then you can't do that because for reasons which we have discussed earlier. Yeah, PDF does actually offer you the possibility of multiple bookmarks pointing at the same page, mm. so you could have your actual table of contents bookmarks, and then you could have a separate. If you're doing a game with this, these are the these are the pages you need to look at. Yeah. Set of bookmarks. I haven't seen that done, but there's no technical bar to it. What PDF can't do, as we've said before, is reliably link between files. Okay, hang on. We're, let's get back to our main point. Oh, oh, I know what I was going to say. That as far as needing to know stuff and needing to know too much stuff in advance, I, I believe Ask Magica beats GURPS hands down because mm. so much of it is dispersed and stuck into uh, splat books from all over the place. And if you find yourself with a, a, a player with a, a deeper knowledge of the corpus than you, you may find yourself agreeing to stuff that you really don't understand. I've had similar experiences with RuneQuest, um, not so much these days, but you know, 10, 20 years back when they were, when vitally, vitally important stuff could have been in, published in a fanzine with a circulation of a few hundred. Yeah, we apologise for that. <laughs> One thing that uh, Fantasy Flight Games are doing um, in in their board games, particularly, but also I think starting to be in their role playing games now, they're doing things like the Star Wars RPG. Mm. Uh, you have the Learn to Play book, yeah, which is completely physically separate from the reference book. Now, obviously, this costs more, particularly sure. if you're doing all the layout and illustration for for the pretty books that people mostly want these days. Mm. But it does seem to work quite well for them. You'll see similar things in the Doctor Who Adventures in Time and Space basic set. Mm. I all right, we, we've got the got the chapter intro chapter characters chapter game system chapter. We also have the uh, GM's chapter or GM's chunk of the book. Yeah, um, I'm not sure that there isn't scope for for a player's adventuring chapter in between there as well. It's not it's not vital, but it's Okay. It's not so much here is the sort of thing you, you can do swinging on ropes, because that's that's in game mechanics. It's here is the sort of thing you can do at a higher level than that, you know. If 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 you want a system that's not just here is the here is the canned adventure and the GM runs it, if you want players yeah. self to self motivate, I think it could be you could have a useful thing there. But that's yeah. that's relatively but, um, these relatively are, oh, well actually that's 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 sort of the chapter of you don't just need to know how to hit things, you also need to do this, this, and this. Something like Pendragon includes that in the in the build. Because yeah. you you are you are not just a warrior, you are a knight, and a knight needs to be courtly, a knight needs to know how to hunt. 
if, right. effectively Pendragon works off templates. Yeah. Your basic knightly training gives you these skills. You don't really have much. You you can put a few points in other things which which customize it, but you will always have your basic knightly skills. Yeah. There are also templates for the courtly knight, the romantic knight, the uh, yeah, the whatever knight, the religious knight. The, but yeah, I, I agree. The GM chapter is next, which is, mm, I think, potentially in several different sections. It's how to run the game in the immediate sense. You know, you you are, you are yeah. at the table. You you know what's happening in terms of the of the scenario, but here here is what you physically do. Here is how you keep track of things. Here is how you make sure players are still interested. I think I find those sections sometimes a little lacking. I found in um, learning Knights Black Agents that there are there are things that I need to do on a regular basis that nobody has listed somewhere. Things like consider. Um, yeah, I haven't got a system for considering. What what level of attention the the conspiracy? I haven't got a good management system for what a level of attention the conspiracy has brought to bear on them, mm. on uh, on issues like how high is the heat in the background, um, how how suspicious of people. It's all a bit hand wavy, and I tend to forget things from that. There ought to be a housekeeping section. Yep. You know what I mean for every for every game for the regular things that keep coming up and you have to think about. Yeah, it's it's certainly something that's uh, we we reviewed never unprepared a while back, and that, yeah. that has some of this sort of thing in it. But some whatever works for that particular GM and that particular game, there, there needs to be some system of record keeping. All right, I obsess about this more than many people. Uh-huh. Um, I know I'm consciously bad at it. I I'm deliberately keeping stuff on computer. Not not just because uh, it's it's easy to produce to produce reams of text at great length, um, but also because it's easier to find stuff in it afterwards. Yeah, and that that makes life a lot easier for me. Um, so start starting with the I think starting with the immediate at the table stuff, but then also as you're saying, how do you, how do you consider what the NPCs are doing? You need some model for that. I, I've said before the one that's worked well for me is. There, there is a villainous plot. I have, I have a timetable for what the villainous plot will do if the player characters don't get involved. Yeah. That, that doesn't mean a strict at three o'clock Saturday. It means here is the next step after they've done that. I can tweak that based on what the PCs are up to. But here is what they're trying to do. And if that gets interrupted, then he, here's in effect the organization chart of the things that get disrupted by that. And so those are the things that the, the villains are going to have to come up with a different way of achieving. Yeah. Yeah, so so the the PCs um, stopped the stopped the dubious drug shipment. Okay, well the villains need need to get that dubious drug from somewhere else. Hmm. That sort of thing, and that then generates what they're up to, and then then that has to be fed back into what the PCs run into. Yeah, I'm yeah I'm very much in that problem in the middle of the Zelazny Quartet as they are quite close to the big reveal of what's of what's going on behind the scenes there, and have the potential of putting their hands on one of the keys to it, I have to worry now about what the bad guys are going to do once the players have got one of the keys and can really disrupt their plans. Mm-hmm. But I think it's going to get to be violence and intimidating their loved ones. I, My role-playing, at least, is, is formed in large part by 80s action films where you've got the big bad guy yeah. who's going to be fought at the end of the mm. story. And he he is gradually becoming more and more annoyed with the player characters, and he's sending more and more resources at them. Yeah. But but he doesn't simply send his huge henchmen right at the beginning because then he'd probably win, and that would be no fun. Mm. Yeah, well, the, as I say, the conspiracy and the idea of stages of attention is what is how you manage this. But be this as it may, all right. What the game is about, what the the structure and ideas behind the game should be in the character, in the GMs, but also there should be a lot more practical aid and practical game management than I think we find. But maybe other yeah. people have to develop their... Maybe GMs feel they have to develop their own... Well, I, th- I think that can be dealt with. Um, after all, if, if if I, as an experienced GM, read, read a chapter that says, here is how you can organise things... I will say, well, okay, I already have an organisation system. I'm not, I don't really mind being told yeah. about a different one. Uh, I, th- I think it is the the new GM who who is 
potentially going to, going to crash on about session three because he's lost track of things. Yeah. If, if he can be told up front, here is, here is the level of keeping track you need to do. And if you do this much, it'll work. Yeah. What are we missing? What are the chapters we haven't touched on? Well, I think the flavour of the world... I'm assuming we're talking about a non-generic game here. Yeah. Um, the flavour of the world should be through everything. It, it was it was fashionable for a while to, to talk about game flavour text as fluff, but there are few things better for giving the idea of what this world is like than, than a, a short narrative passage. Yeah. And I think that should be through everything. I mean, a, lo- a lot of games have an example of character generation... Mm. Um, which is set in the world, but again, if if you can tie that into the world, yeah, um, especially if you have the sort of character generation system that encourages you to tie what you might call life events to particular things. So you say, okay, um, I'm I'm scared of the dark because that gets me ten points, but all right, is is there a, is there a story behind that? The uh, yeah, the oh, this M- all... Mong- mongoose traveler has outright bribery on this, and I very much approve. <laughs> um, he, if you if you have an event um, that is basically something interesting yeah. happened, it, it, it's st- pretty much standard traveller yeah. uh, character generation with, with with the rough edges sanded off. If if you have an interesting event and you agree with another player that your both your characters were involved in it, you both get a bonus skill point. <laughs> it's that simple. I like that. Uh, that, that, that. That that is elegant and fun. I we should note that the the, the fluff text and the Example character and goes back as far as RuneQuest two at least, mm-hmm. um, in which Rurik the Rune Lord is gradually brought forward, and we we find out about the things that happen from the point of view of that uh, one character out of their house campaign. Yeah, I think that was the first I saw. Yeah, the world should be made real to the GM first of all. Because if it's not made real to the GM, it's not going to work, be real for anybody else. Yeah, th- this may be getting into personal GMing style. I I like to be able to say, I I like to be able to know a world well enough that when when a player says, "Is X the case?" and X is something I've never thought of before, I can I can dig into my my feel for the world and say, "Well, this is the sort of world where Y would happen." Mm. It's certainly helpful for a GM to be able to do that because then he's not stopping the game and saying, "Let me look that up." Yeah, that's always that's always a problem. Internalize. I don't know how one one gives a general rule for this, but internalizing the uh, the world is one of the the ma- major things that a GM should do. Um, for my historical game, I am banging away, looking up things as I go, and getting bits of flavour from my from my historical research, which I then drop in. It's not. Yeah, there's lots of that in the World yeah. War Two game as well. Yeah. I was going to say. One of the things, um, going back to the, the problem with do you do the mechanics first or do you do the character first is reference forward is giving you, dropping things into the text like, uh, and now you must calculate the passive defense factor, just to choose an example. Mm-hmm. And passive defense isn't defined where you are and there is no reference forward to the place that you can find it. If you, are reading these amounts of these great bulks of dense text and you're having to keep held in your head little details and they aren't defined anywhere that you can find them at the time, then you're going to have a hell of a job learning things. I have found myself going, mm. what the hell was that? What the hell is this? Why am I worrying about this stuff here when the text that tells me about it is unfindable and 200 pages ahead an index only goes so far and compiling indexes is a skill in itself and not one that is um highly practiced in the role-playing industry by and large i'm sorry but it's true yeah it's a it's a very hard thing to do because you you need to put yourself in the mindset of a person looking for that word Uh, you, you you may have your 20 different times that word occurs in the book yeah. But you then have to decide which of these is actually going to be a useful one to direct people to. As as the PDF becomes more and more standard, then hyperlinks should become more and more commonplace and should be something what you're expecting to, okay, that's that, I click on it, it takes me to there, or it pops something up. That mm. should be part of the of the design process as we move more and more away from physical text. 
which is annoying to me because I'm a bit of a grognard. I, I but think, it is useful. I think there is still a feeling, at least in the... Um, I, I really ought to say the, the older members of the community because that means, well, us, really. Ah, um, uh, you whippersnapper. Much, sure. much as uh, a filmmaker doesn't get taken terribly seriously if he's releasing stuff direct for video download or DVD compared with getting it into a film, yeah. an actual film theatre. Um, the, pe- there is this slight cachet to an actual print release just because it costs more and it implies you have higher confidence in the sales of your yeah. product. But so so I, th- I think pe- people are trying not... Well, there are some cases of design for PDF. I've, I've seen some um, JavaScript-based fillable character sheets, yeah. things like that. Well, but, that, that should be part of the support of a game system nowadays anyway. You should be, uh, there should be downloadable and there should be character generation aids designed at the same time as the system is designed. Mm. Um, but I am, I am um, arguing perfection here in an industry which has very thin margins. <laughs> and lots of uh, volunteers who can be conned into, you know, doing it anyway. Yep. Yeah, uh, let, let, let's let let's sweat the interns and get some unpaid labour. Oh God, I feel dirty. I do feel dirty. <laughs> oh, anyway, Please send us examples of particularly brilliantly laid out uh, role-playing books or volunteer your utterly unpaid but brilliant uh, labour to us at the website or via email to podcast at tekeli.ly And we'll be back next month with uh, more wisdom and inspiration from two ageing gamers. Good night.